Hello everyone, and we are back on High Up the Pitch. Uh, apologies for our frequent coming and going, as it were. We've not been able to stay consistent coming to you week by week because it's been difficult getting everybody together. However, we are conducting this particular podcast via Skype, and uh, we are making use of Skype's audio feature, also uh, Skype's audio recording feature. And hopefully this can help us to be more regular because aligning everyone's schedules in a city like Lagos is very, is very, very difficult to do. So joining me today is, uh, I, I mean, I would use his government name, but the reality is, you know, I mean, everybody will ask, you know, who is that? You know, so I guess I should just use his, his Twitter handle. Sarah Brown, welcome to the podcast today. Yeah, uh, and uh, hopefully by this, you know, because you stay, you know, quite, you, you stay some, some way away from me, but that's not even the issue. The issue is things like traffic and so on. Uh, I don't know whether Lagos is getting better or worse in that area. I think it's just getting worse. Worse, yeah, definitely worse. Uh, yeah, so um, let's just start at, uh, at Stanford Bridge. Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea and United, they, 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 they finished their game yesterday in a in very dramatic fashion. Uh, coming into the game, United have, have a very bad record at Stanford, particularly of late. Uh, well, well, not really of late, more like 16 years. You know, 10, 10 defeats, 10 defeats since, around, since about 2002. Uh, and whatever it is else that seems to be going on, whenever they get to Stanford Bridge, they, they often just lose. But uh, yesterday, yesterday seemed like, especially in the second half, seemed like one of their best performances at Stanford Bridge in, uh, in, quite, in quite some time. Um, they took the lead, sorry, uh, so they went behind after Pogba lost his man. He lost Antonio Rudiger on a corner. And uh, Rudy Gap, you know, put the blues ahead 1-0. But after then, and even in the second half, it just seemed like United, you know, got, got a grip on, on the game, especially going forward in the second half. And uh, I just wanted to just, you know, just ask, ask uh, Sarah Brown here what, he, what his impressions of the game and really some of the narratives around it, uh, what his impressions are. Okay, um, I, I wasn't able to catch the game at the time because I was at a wedding, but um, I saw the highlights and I saw the talk about the game. Well, I just, before the game started, I saw the lineups and I immediately knew that it wasn't going to be an easy game for Chelsea because of the way Mario set up. It was uncharacteristic of you know a Mario approach to a big game. I expected maybe Herrera out play and probably, you know, run after Hazard all game or something. But, you know, for once, Mario came positive, played it 4-3-1 and put Mata in the right position, position where he's most effective. And, you know, he was, he, he was able to affect the game positively, that's Mata. And the formation worked a great deal because Chelsea had difficulty by the second half. From what I gathered, and that was when you know Manchester United's resurgence you know started. The first half, uh, Chelsea were well on top, 
at least according to the statistics. But by the second half, you know, Roma, um, Manchester United were able to get back and they almost walked away with the win. So Mourinho's approach was definitely very good. Starting Matia was brilliant, you know, and Matia seems to be on the up, so it's all positive. Uh, and I think that he would have loved to walk away with a victory yesterday. Unfortunately, uh, Barkley showed up and ended up in a draw. As for Chelsea, um, I didn't think starting Morata and Willian was a smart choice by Sari. I think that was an error. If he was going to start Morata, he should have started Pedro because of how Pedro moves. And, you know, Pedro just has better decision making than Willian. And considering the struggles that Morata has been facing, it makes more sense to go with one reliable person along with. You know, two reliable people up front along with Morata rather than having two people that can be liabilities at times at the same time. So if he was going to start Morata, I should have started Pedro. If he was going to start Giroud, then William would have been okay, you know, to start. But starting Morata and William, and that probably had an effect on the you know how they were going forward. Alonso wasn't very good for um I think there was a there was I, I saw the goal by Matteo the first goal with Alonso on the floor holding his head or something. <laughs> yes, well, I think he got hit by a ball. I think he got hit by a ball or something. Yeah, and he just up to the game. That was surprising. What what yeah. was going to the referee's mind? He, so 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 the thing is so obviously so it wasn't a foul, right? It so, wasn't. so it wasn't a foul, and because it wasn't a foul, I think that was why. The, the ref decided to play on there. Okay, uh, I, think, I think a, <laughs> I think a similar issue happened. I'm not sure. I think it was a National Chelsea game. I don't know whether it was, yeah, well, was earlier Chelsea. this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bearing, right? Uh-huh. Yes, in the build-up to one of the goals, I believe. Yeah, so I guess Kama, right? Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, uh, Mata earlier. It was an interesting one because this time he played uh, centrally. Centrally, yeah, which is yeah. where he's effective. Yeah, like... and and also off the ball, he was apparently marking Jorginho. So he yeah, he stopped he stopped the out ball. He stopped the out ball from the center backs to Jorginho. Yeah. And then, and so yeah, and so and, and so what happened was you have a Jorginho who well, I checked his average passing. Average passes per game so far is, is about 103, but yeah, yes, but yesterday you only made 73. Yeah. Yes, he only made 73. So, uh, so he was slowed down uh, in that area, and also Mata was also very uh, uh, instrumental in the second goal because he was the one who, when the ball broke, and it was supposed to be like a 50-50 with, with, with David Lewis, he got there first. Yeah. David Lewis overcommitted. And got taken out of the game, and so yeah, there was now this big space that um, that Masha was able to exploit. But even Matthias go, it seemed like he took a bad touch originally. Yes, he did. Yes, he took a bad, a bad, bad, yeah, a bad first touch. But he then recovered but quickly enough. Well. Yeah, yeah. yeah to put, to put, to put that I, I need to ask, how does Sari not realize that this um, putting Mata on Jogino kind of? Um, situation would always happen. Teams do it to Barcelona with Busquets. When you want to 
you know, slow down Barcelona or at least, you know, cause problems for them. You put someone on Busquets to frustrate him. Like, this is 101. And you know that, you know, Manchester United, or if you are facing a team like that, or a manager as smart as Mourinho, he's going to do something like that 1,000% of the time. It's not Newcastle. It's not Fulham. Yeah. It's not yeah. Cardiff. You know, yeah, so they would just surrender that. They would just surrender it. They would, they would put somebody there to follow him. The person that is your main threat. So you have to, it's just like, you know, the time when Mario puts Herrera on Hazard. You know that everything that, you know, Chelsea were doing at that time under Conte was going through Hazard. Yeah. So, of course, as the manager, now you know that, you know, there's going to be, they're, they're likely going to give attention to your, the person that is running the show for you. You, you are supposed to have an alternate plan in the event that that happens in such a game. So if your game was going to be cut off like that, um, Sarri should have gone with someone else to initiate the play. So while Mata is trying to keep your game occupied, you know, everything still functions properly. But I don't know. It, it, it didn't seem to plan for it. And it was really bad. I actually expected, you know, Chelsea to win. And, you know, when yeah. the first... When, Many uh, people just, also did. Many people also did, but uh, but uh, but uh, Mourinho's plan worked. The, the 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 defensive line was was quite deep for for United, uh, and of obviously to 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 slow down all those interchanges of play, you know, yeah. and to and to prevent Hazard from entering all those spaces and all of that. Although earlier, early on, it seemed like they were doing some kind of rotational fouling on Hazard. That quickly went out the window when Matic and uh, Ashley Young both got yellow cards oh, inside yellow card. like 20 minutes or something. So they abandoned that one. Then they kind of retreated uh, like this, like really low block, you know, to, to, to prevent all those interchanges from happening and, and, from, and from their mm-hmm. defense to be, to be unlocked. Really, if not for the set pieces, and you know, because so it wasn't even a set piece, so it was a cross situation for the equalizer. Because all of a sudden, uh, you had a, a situation whereby in the 96 minutes, there were three Chelsea players in the United box, in the United yeah. yard box, and only one United defender. How that, how that happened, you know, is uh. You know, leaves 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 a lot to be desired. And even because, after the game made the first save, precisely. Was, no, no, exactly. So they had three chances to clear the ball. The first chance he hit the post. Nobody got to hit to help the hair. The hair saved the second one before Barkley then put the ball away. You know, and all that time it was only Lindelof that was in that zone against three players. Very, very, um, very all over the place there. I, I think that it's an indictment on Hazard that Ashley Young had a yellow card from the 27th minute. And he didn't and get it. Yeah, he didn't get the red card. And yeah. Hazard yeah. didn't really do anything. Yeah, again, you know, again, the interesting thing about us is that <laughs> you had uh, you had Rashford and, and Martial, they were playing really deep. They were playing really deep. And because they were playing really deep, they were then helping out the they were then helping out the yeah. fullback. But yeah. that really really helped Ashley Young not to get not uh, um, uh, not to get exposed for the rest of the game. As soon as United scored, though, the game's momentum shifted yeah. and they started pressing more aggressively. Uh, and then Chelsea kind of just lost control of the game, really. And honestly, they really should have lost 
you know, if not for if not for that that list, um, yeah, yeah, that 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 list switching off there. I'm not sure how the six minutes of 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 injury time because it's not like anybody was stretched off. I think uh, the subs, you know, and up to then there were just about two goals. So I I I don't know how the ref arrived it's at this. time now. It's fake time coming back to bite. Well, <laughs> I I so I so. Indeed, I suppose I suppose there's that, and also Chelsea also you know you, you know they, you, you know they consider a very late equalizer to Liverpool as well. Yeah. Uh, three weeks ago, so you know, so I guess yeah. they got on the right on the right end of that one this time. Yeah. Anyway, I thought, yeah. What's your what's your view on that on that celebration though? By yeah. Uh, by that was wrong. That was wrong. That was wrong. Uh, it should not. It should not have done that. It was. It, there's no um, justification for it whatsoever. It should not have done that. But it would have been nice to see Mario fight, Sha. <laughs> I know it would have. It would have beaten him, but <laughs> it would have been nice. But the the celebrating in front of you know someone like that it was not right. But I have no sympathies for Mario anyway, because you know this kind of shit that he, he does. I don't know. I can't. Um, I can't empathize. I can't find within myself to empathize with him. Does that kind of thing, you know, instigates opposing you know, teams and all that. But in the moment, it was it was a bad thing. The, the Chelsea guy should not have done that. And the reaction was, you know, as expected. The reaction by Mario is not. If it happened to me, I would stand up to. And get angry as well. So, yeah, that's my take on it. Anyway, uh, away from that, uh, uh, City dispatched only five nil. Uh, they are now back on top of the table on good on goal difference, I believe. You know, so uh, using using the using the well, bonnie. Okay, they will be okay. Okay, okay. So I guess I guess they I guess they widen that now. You know. Yeah, they widened that. Um, they started with seven left footers in their team. I don't think I'll ever say anything like that. You yeah, know. At this point, Pep is just having fun. Seven left footers. Uh, Laporte, Laporte, Mendy, uh, both of the Silvers, Sane, Ederson is also left footed. You know? Mares. And I'm always like, well, I, I, I mean, it was, it was very interesting to see. Anyway, uh, I think Burnley started okay, but as usual, once the, once the goals start coming and the Etihad, had, just... Yeah, they just, they just, they just kind of fell apart there. They just kind of fell apart. Uh, over at uh, Liverpool, it, it, it just became this thing of, so right now Liverpool are just like getting through games, yeah. Uh, yeah, they have uh, they have injury issues. I know Sadio Mane, you know, didn't play at all. He he came back from international duty with an injury. Salah and Van Dijk were also doubts, but they but they but they were able to make the team. Salah scored from from a great Shakiri pass, by the way. 
But that was really all that happened in that game because uh, it's one of those it's one of those games where you just go and you labor and you labor to a one zero game. It wasn't enjoyable at all. It wasn't enjoyable at all. Oh, yesterday too. That's why they were probably taking. Wow. Uh, this is this is a bad. Although although uh, the the bad patch for Liverpool was was after the last international break to the end yeah. of. Yeah. So now they now they have easier games. The I mean Huddersfield now, then uh, Red Star. In in the Champions League and a couple of other easy matches. So hopefully by the end of that run. Their 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 players would, would have shaken off shaken off whatever knocks you know that they are that they are currently carrying. Uh, Spurs won as well, one zero against West Ham uh, away from home. Another of those London derbies. Uh, this time it was Lamela uh, who got who got who got the goal there. So 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 that so they are now two points. So. Sports are now two points behind the top three. Sports are now two points behind the top three. Sorry, the top, the top three because all of them are, they are all back, they are all, they are all, uh, they are all level on points. Again. Chelsea, Chelsea dropped uh, points, so they are on Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So. So Spurs are Spurs are maintaining their own form. They also have a lot of injury issues as well. No everything, no Vertonghen, no Dele Ali. But they managed to get a a win. They are also fighting for their Champions League lives as well. And there is Manchester City next weekend as well. So you know. I'm out of the, my United after that. Yeah, precisely. So City have. Uh, City have a very tough run of their own that's coming, which is just as well because you know KGB is back, yeah. uh, Ben Mendy is back as well. You that's, know, so those are very two, those are two very important um, players for yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, and uh, KGB in particular can help, can can take City to. To a new level because of all the things it's capable of doing on both sides of the ball. So that'll be very interesting. So this is even the this is even the perfect time for for the Bruyne to to return, and he hasn't played, so he'll be fresher. You know, he'll be fresher, have more energy and all of that. Uh, elsewhere, the relegation six pointer at Kajif Kajif beat Fulham four two. Fulham are really leaking goals. Indeed, seeing as Cardiff can hardly buy a goal, you know, most of the time when they play, but for but for you to concede four goals against Cardiff, like you said, shows that a lot of things are really really going wrong. I think Fulham have the worst defense in the division so far, and yeah. um, and even though they they do seem to have a couple of goals a game in them most days. The fact of the matter is that if you can't defend, you won't stay in the Premier League very long. That is just the reality of it. Um, Ryan Sessegnon made 
made the record. He's the first player born after the year 2000 to score in the Premier League. Uh, and um, Shola scored a great goal as well from, uh, from, from distance. But the reality is that um, Fulham's defence is not going to take them anywhere. It will only take them back to the, back to the championship. You know, and um, Slavisa Yekanovic needs to fix that. Uh, did any other results jump out at you uh, in the PL? Uh, no, not really. But um, I just want to comment on the Everton Crystal Palace game. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, Andre Gomez got his debut. As you know, I'm a big fan of Andre Gomez. Yes, um, I know. We know. <laughs> I saw, a lot of, I saw some people saying that he had a bad game and I was confused. And I also saw that Sofasco gave him a bad score, which is why I don't rate all these apps that, you know, um, rates that give players ratings. I don't rate the ratings. Of, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. understand the stats and everything, but when it comes to ratings, I don't really follow it. Because, you know, you'd have to actually watch a game. I mean, Sigurd still yeah. got a 7.7 from Sofasco and he was playing horrible. He was making the wrong decisions all the time, holding on to the ball for too long, you know, dragging his feet and all of that. And some may look at that and just say, ah, he had a good game anyway. If you're just looking at those kind of things. But if you're, if you're watching the game, you see that players are making bad decisions. Bernard was horrible, horrible decisions. There was one ball where he had to just square the ball early for a while cut, he was running into space and free and he completely messed that up and lost the ball and Walcott was not impressive at all Richardson was poor and you know coming back to Andre Gomez he did very well recycling you know and also he he was he had the most passes in the game for both teams until he went up and where um, took him slightly so he did well he was calm in possession he he started a lot of the attacks that they, they were able to carve out. It always started with Andrew Gomez's ball going, either going wide to um, Foreman or Digne or going to uh, Bernard or Sigurdsson. So he initiated a lot of their movements going forward. And he was just generally lively and calm. And he won a lot of second balls, a lot of second balls. I noted that very well. Every time you know, the ball was coming back, Always Andrew Gomez to pick it up and send and start, you know, restart the um, attack again. So, all in all, Everton were poor in attack, and Coleman also had a nightmare against Zaha. Uh, but in the end, it was their subs that helped them out. Lukman, yes. and Cavaloon. And Cavaloon, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, so, so Marco Silva's subs making a big, big impact. Yeah, you know, a lot was made about about um, Richarlison's new role as a striker, and how and how he could even be the person to 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 replace. You know, I mean, I mean, bearing him, I mean, so people just feel like Everton don't have the striking power that they need. But both of the people that came on for Everton were strikers. Two of them were strikers, and they both delivered the goals there. You know, so I guess that's some food for thought. I, it's good to have a plan, but it's also good to know when the plan is not working. Okay. Um, yeah, so um, 
Pickford save, Pickford save was was good also before from the penalty from uh, Milivojevic. Before, yeah, very very important. Uh, and another thing that's interesting is, even though it was. Even though it was Coman, so like you mentioned, uh, Coman's trouble with Zaha, it was Coman that brought down Zaha for the penalty. But um, Crystal Palace are now in this space where they are now losing even when Zaha is on the field. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not good at all. They actually yeah, so that's what, very honest. Peace yes, exactly. Yeah, so. Just I can just pick out Zaha and Wambisaka as the only bright spots in their team right now. Uh, maybe Sako, Tompkins are doing okay in central defense, but beyond that, they're just peaceful. And it's interesting that they are currently 15. I think they are just a couple of points above the relegation zone. And in their next few games, they are coming up against members of the top six. By the end of that run, I wonder where they are going to be, really. Um, yeah, Mr. Zaha does what he always does for them and saves them because beyond that, well, he will, he he will, he will have to put on his uh, his uh, his uh, Superman his Superman costume because they are going to need it. Um, one other surprising result was Watford beating Wolves at the Molyneux. You know, which hasn't happened much under Edino uh, Espirito Santo. I think Wolves have lost only yeah, once or twice in a few games at home. Yeah, I didn't expect that as well because Watford have been in poor form after starting well and you know, Wolves have been really good lately. But uh, Watford did a very good job winning there because it's not a very easy thing to do these So, all credit to them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Big, big credit. Important, important result for them. Uh, Brighton beat Newcastle uh, away. F- uh, beat Newcastle at St. James's Park. And that gave Newcastle the record. One, I mean, so they are joint. So they are, so they are only the third team in English top flight history to lose their first five home games of a season. One of them was Manchester United in 1930-31 season. So that is, uh, so that is poor company. And um, really, I I do wonder whether Rafa Benitez will be able to pull off uh, another escape for Newcastle. I'm waiting for Marcelino to get fired so one big Benitez to come back. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> Not just do anything. Just get tired and walk away. Newcastle mm. are piss poor. Their, their lineup is... Their squad is so poor. They are such a poor team. There's really not much Benders can do with these guys. No, there isn't. And even the fact that they stayed up the last time is even a bit miraculous in itself. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's let's go on to other leagues. Uh, in France, everyone was waiting for Thierry Henry's first match as Monaco manager. Uh, but perhaps, you know, Perhaps unsurprisingly, it didn't go. I mean, there was no, there was no, there was no happy first game in charge. They lost to Strasbourg away from home, two-one. Um, but I mean, the reality on the ground is that Henri has his work cut out for him because the Monaco job is a rebuilding job essentially. 
um, for the for the second time for the second time since 2015, half of the starting eleven that did so well the previous season have been sold off. Um, I, I'm sure you remember the the 2015 where it was people like Mashia, Abdeno, Kozawa who were sold off. And um, and something even more dramatic has happened in the last two seasons as well. So he has a lot of work to do, and it's not helped by the fact that when you sub a player on Samuel Grantse, he gets himself sent off inside a few minutes of coming on. Um, and I don't I don't really understand you know, what the what the player was thinking about there. Monaco are a mess right now, but the good thing is that they have the quality to turn it around. They have one of the best squads in the league, no matter how you look at it, which is why um, Jadim was fired. I still don't think that, you know, if they were going to fire him, they should have replaced him with a rookie. It's a very dangerous decision. Uh, I feel if they were going to hire a rookie, they should have just left him there to turn, turn things around instead of firing him. Because now they've come with Henri, who has no experience whatsoever in this kind of situation. And you know, at this time, you need your players to believe in you, believe in what you're doing. So if you start badly, and you know, at some point your ideas stop making sense to them. Because the truth is, if you're not getting the results, you come in with a philosophy. I'm going to do this. You have all these ideas that you're going to do them. Now, if you start and like they've lost the first game, they lose two more games. Gary never talked about it. Maybe that starts happening, you, you start getting very desperate and you want to just win a game. So then you start running away from your own core ideologies and ideas and philosophies. And you start trying all sorts of things and just, you know, trying to win by all means necessary. And when you do that, you lose the players and then from there, it just goes down downhill. That's why you need an experienced head in a situation like this. Someone who sticks by what he wants to do and has a clear idea of how to get out of a mess like this. I don't know if Henry is the guy, but I'll be observing anyway. We'll see how it pans yeah. out. Definitely. Pans. I started with 4-3-2-1 against Strasbourg. 4-3-2-1 is you know, a bit different from what Jadim used to do. But we'll see how you know his ideas come up. I mean, you never know. And yeah, indeed. Um, elsewhere, PSG beats Amiens five 0 I yeah. mean, so so not not a lot. I mean, not a lot to not a lot to see there. But I think one of the things that have been impressive with PSG so far under Tuchel has been bringing through the younger guys from the academy. Yeah, Diaby. Um, Musa is getting more minutes, although he was playing a bit last season, but he's gotten yeah. but he's getting more minutes now. Uh, Timothy Weah got got some minutes. Yeah, and Soki, Benede. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dagba, and all those guys. And a number of guys have even gone as well. So someone like Dan Axel Zagadou, for example, went to yeah. went to drop. John Kevin Augustin went to to RB Leipzig. So PSG are really producing a lot of interesting players uh, yeah, these days. Academy, to be yeah, and and I and and I do think that under a coach like Tuchel, who is 
who is who is renowned for actually like improving players. Some of these guys can take up some spots in the squad and really contribute. While PSG, while PSG are able to you know keep their powder dry, stay within FFP regulations uh, so that they can make the big spending when they need to make it. Um, I think that it doesn't make sense for you to have to buy a 30 million pound player or 40 million pound player for every position on the field. It does not make sense. I mean, yeah, so. So, um, I think there's something I want to point out. Uh, Cavani. Cavani Yes. Situation worries a lot. Because I do not think he's happy in PSG. And I do not think he's in his best um, period right now. How many times have you heard that PSG scored five goals and Cavani was not amongst the goals? Well, you know, so, so there's something that, uh, that's interesting. So uh, after the game, after the game against Lyon, you know when, you know, you, you know they beat Lyon 5 near? Yeah. Uh, after the, before the last international break, before this international break, they beat Lyon 5 near. And they lost a man. So, so, so they, who, who, who was it that got sent off again? Okay. I. Kimpembe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was Kimpembe that got sent off. Now, after he got sent off, they, they hooked Cavani, right? And after Cavani went off, PSG scored like four times. Yeah. Or, or, or was it or, or did it score all five goals after? No, 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 no. It was four goals. So the thing is, so 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 the thing is, um, uh, Lekip then came out with a report showing that, you know, Neymar and and Mbappe are really you know combining, and Cavani receives almost no passes from either of them. And um, it 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 does seem it does seem like the like that club cannot contain all three players, you know. I think I think that I think that is very possible, even that if Tuchel feels like he needs to bolster midfield, for example, for the later stage of the Champions League, that it is Cavani who will make way, not. Anybody else? Because Tujo really so, likes Di Maria to begin with, and that's why he has been um, sacrificing midfield really for Di Maria just to fit Di Maria in. Going yeah, of but if he but if he begins to drop Cavani, he doesn't need to sacrifice midfield any longer. Then yeah, he wouldn't need to exactly. He just play Neymar, Mbappe, and uh, Di Maria. Which wouldn't be good news for Cavani. Well, I think uh, I, I spotted it last season anyway that Cavani wasn't getting as much passes as he should have. Of course, his, his striker is supposed to be the one to drag people away and all that. But at the same time, you know, I, I saw him. Cavani is not the kind of guy that would just stay and hide. He always tries to come back. Come, to yeah. Involved in play. Sometimes he goes to defend and all that. Well, I noticed that he wasn't really getting those passes. If you remember the Real Madrid game, Neymar completely ignored him. There was this chance where Cavani should have gotten the pass from Neymar. I remember it vividly. And instead of doing that, Neymar waited a bit and Cavani made the run. And once that run was over, he passed to Mbappe, then missed the, the chance. And it wasn't it wasn't as clear cut for Mbappe as it would have been for Cavani. If Cavani had gotten that ball, so I, I was pointing it out last season, and it was like I was just um, overreacting. But I just felt like the vibe was all wrong. 
as much as they try to celebrate with each other and they are they're all happy and everything, um Cavani is not it just doesn't fit in. It really just doesn't fit in. And now I, I noticed also his form dropped towards the end of last season. Because I don't think he's he had his mind in the team again. He was just it looked very disillusioned to me. His energy is just all wrong. And it has continued this season. I, I've not just been satisfied with his energy. The Cavani I know. I feel maybe it might just be that he's declining or something. I don't know. But I feel like it's just the, the will is just not there anymore. He's just tired of the situation and just wants to leave. And it's really sad to see you know, that Cavani is having to be in that kind of situation. It's sad. Yeah, it is. He's, he it's... has not scored in the league in three games now, including that last game where he was hooked off. He has not scored, and it's not it's not a good look. No, it's not. Especially for someone who is perhaps the best striker in the world, the best yeah, pure out and out striker in the world. Such an important. It's, he's also such an important part of you know, PSG's game because the truth is, it's all well and good, you know, when you are a bit comfortable and on the front foot like this. But when you are in those key ties in the CL, when the pressure is on and everything. And, you know, you need your big players to step up. One of those people you are going to need is Cavani. Because he's used to the pressure, he can handle it, and he's very good. Based on his quality alone, you need that kind of person. And also, he's one of the leaders of the team. So if you are having one of your key players and leaders in the team, you know, having his head not correct at any point in time, Going to, it's going to cost you a lot. So I just hope that it's nothing and you know everything is resolved soon and everybody's happy. Because if not, yeah. then there's a problem. Yeah. Okay. On that note, let's let's um, let's just check out some results in Spain. Uh, Real Madrid ended their the longest goal drought in their history when Marcelo scored against Levante at the Bernabeu. But the reality of it is. They lost the game, so that is about four defeats in five now. Yeah. For for the for the European champions, and the rumors are already in overdrive about how long Julian Lopetegui has left. Um, from at least from my own view, it seemed like Zidane left at the appropriate time because because he had he had noticed that the team needs some kind of rejuvenation. Yeah. But you know, but they haven't gotten that rejuvenation. They haven't gotten that that uh, increased competition for places. You know, some freshening up of the team. And um, he left when he did. Ronaldo also, you know, took off at the right time apparently as well. And um, I'm still asking myself the question: Lopetegui was with one of the teams favored to win the World Cup. Why would he even entertain talking about taking the job of a Real Madrid team in transition when he could have instead focused his mind 100% on perhaps winning the World Cup with Spain? He could have been a World Cup winning manager by now. There is no way to know because he went and basically botched the whole thing. Now, he may lose both inside three months or four months. I, 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 I really... I'm really asking myself, you know, what precisely he was thinking about. Because 
even if that team is going to pick up, they may not pick up in time for it to matter. You know? Yes. I, 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 don't, I don't know. If I had only one today, so, and Espanyol won, won as well. So now they are seventh. <laughs> and they are playing Barcelona next weekend. Helps that there's no Messi, but. Yeah, now they are seventh. Now they are seventh, but look who is in second place, Alaves. Alaves beat Alaves beat South Africa 1-0 at the at the Balaidos, I believe. Yeah. They lost. They, they beat them 1-0. And you know, since um, Abelardo, you know, this you know, so this is an interesting start. Abelardo, the former Barcelona defender, came over. to since he took over in, in, on December first last year. Uh, Alaves have the have the fourth most points in the league behind really, really, Barcelona. Really Real Madrid, Atletico, and then Alaves, who have taken 58 points since December 1st. In fact, if, if the league started when Abelardo became the manager, they'd have been in sixth place. They'd have been in the in the in the uh, they'd have been in Europa League. Now they are second, you know. So it's it's something that it's uh, it's very interesting. I want to Yeah, yeah. I, I remember us playing them in Copa del Rey last season, and God, it was hell. <laughs> it was hell. They they gave us so much trouble, and they were just a handful, really. So mm. I I just knew that yeah, these guys are not that easy to, to come up against. But I didn't expect them to be so good. I mean, this is in the one five one at Rio Vallecano. Very I know Rio are a newly promoted team, but it's still a big deal that you know Alaves can go to another team stadium and win five and that. yeah Lord. And, yeah uh, so, so, so the other best he was yeah. yeah the he was at Sporting Gihon for I think he saved them from relegation at some point and then eventually things just went south there but I'm happy that he has found his foot again he's doing really well yeah so uh, um, tell us about Valencia. How how are they doing? They they drew again, isn't it? Seven draws yeah. now. Yeah, seven draws in the league, eight draws in all competitions. One win, two defeats, eight draws. That's eleven games. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's just uh, it's sad, and it's just frustrating to see. Uh, the problem we all know what the problem is. Marcelino is the problem, and it's not the problem. Is his decision making really in the summer? His decisions were all wrong, and people were pointing it out. And so it's as if we just we just wanted to complain. Valencia's problems are very simple. Number one, you had a formula that was working, and you decided to tinker with personnel just because you know that's one thing with genius. Genius drives you mad. Marcelino is a brilliant coach, but you know, in the summer, you have a Rodrigo that is playing his best football and he's playing it with Zaza. Zaza is the guy that, you know, is is helping him. It works well with him and it's perfect for the system. But you're not satisfied. Apparently, he wasn't happy with Zaza's kind of pressing because Zaza presses like a lone man, a lone one-man army. But usually, okay. when someone is doing that, you have the other players are supposed to react to the situation. If you see Zaza running after somebody, you know, trying to... The other players are supposed to be alert to the, you know, situation and 
go and press a- along with him. But most of the time, yes. Zaza just goes alone. Sometimes he wins the ball. Sometimes he doesn't. But the fans appreciate, always appreciated the effort that Zaza was always putting. I know his problem with Zaza was, okay, Zaza you makes that run this once, expends so much energy, and then for yes, the next two, true. three minutes, he can't, he can't press anymore. Because he just, you know, he has to catch his breath. Meanwhile, a Santimina can press for the next five minutes because he conserves his energy by, you know, continu- continually pressing and all that. But that wasn't as big an issue as they made it. You know, it's just a, a simple coaching thing. And of course, he wasn't happy that Zaza was a somewhat limited footballer, he wanted a more complete footballer. Now, another thing we needed was a right back. A right back. Because last season, we had to be playing a centre back at right back in away games because Montoya was horrible at right back. They they were always coming through his side to you know disrupt us and stop us and almost beat us. So we needed a right back. We had to be playing Vezo at right back in away games. Montoya was offended by it, but eventually it was so. Okay, so when the person we were supposed to replace him with our number one choice was Ateboa of um, Atalanta. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're right back. Yeah. Exactly. We had a profile anyway in mind. We wanted a six foot tall right back. That was Marcelino's profile. So we lined up a few names. Munier was on the list, but it all depended on how the teacher was going to, you know, react to him. Was he going to like him or not? That was what we were waiting for to see. And, and he loves him. Yeah, he loves him. So we couldn't get Munier. But our main choice was Ateboa. But Atalanta wanted. 18 million. We wanted, we're only ready to offer 12 million. Eventually, after dragging on and dragging on and dragging on, they first decided that they were not going to go after him anymore. And he went for the second choice, Luis Piccini. And we signed him for 7 million instead. Now, if it was that we didn't have the money to pay for Atibua, it would have been, you know, okay, yeah, understandable. But it wasn't that we didn't have the money. We just weren't willing to spend the money on a position we desperately needed someone for. Instead, we went for the second best option and took 18 million to spend on Gamero to replace Zaza, who we didn't really have to replace since we're getting Bashwai. So we have Bashwai coming in, we had three strikers. Just bring on Bashwai, that's a fourth option. And Bashwai is a good goal scorer. And you have four strikers that are doing well. You know, instead, this guy got rid of Zaza so we now had two strikers plus the two new guys. The Gamero signing was completely unnecessary. Gamero is 31. He scored less than Zaza last season. Yeah, 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 he's a complete player. We have not seen that at all. And he cannot bring what Zaza brings. I saw Marcelino um, complaining yesterday about our inability to win duels. And it was so funny because Zaza won the most duels last season. In fact, Zaza's well winning compared to the fellow strikers the distance is so much like, okay just see in terms of um aerial dwells last season zaza himself won 2.1 2.3 dwells per game the next person to him in terms of um, amongst the strikers was santimina also with 1.2 so you see the distance yeah. In terms yeah. of um, in terms of ground dwells, Zaza won 1.9 per game. 
1.9 dollars per game. Our highest this season for ground dwells by any attacker is Rodrigo, 1.9. Our highest, the Gamera that replaced him is 1.2. Santimina is 1.3. For aerial dwells, our best amongst the strikers right now. Remember that um, Zaza was doing 2.3 per game. Our best now is Bashwai is 1.0 along with uh, Rodrigo also 1.0. So the difference is so wide. It's very obvious what we are missing. That presence that Zaza used to bring. And also it used to help Rodrigo get a lot of space to play in. So Zaza wasn't necessarily scoring 50 goals a season. But he was scoring a decent amount. And he wasn't really missing chances. Last season he missed just 9 nine clear-cut chances the whole season. So it's not like he was getting chances and missing them. He just, you know, it was just... He was scoring as much as he was getting, really. But now yeah. we have Gamero who has missed five clear-cut chances already and we're in October. So, you know, why then did you sell Zaza? Zaza was scoring a goal every 160 minutes and apparently it wasn't enough. Some fans just got greedy. I think everybody just got greedy, really. Like, oh, we are Valencia, you know. And I think the most painful part of the whole thing was the fact that... Okay, first of all, by the way, the right-back we signed is not very good defensively. Is also poor, so that problem has not been solved. And I think the most painful part of the whole thing was that at the time Zaza joined our club, of course, everybody kicked against it because he had not scored for West Ham for six months, and you know, everybody was like, Okay, this guy, this is not the answer to our problems. But the thing that Zaza brought to the side beyond the you know ability was the spirit. Where at that time we were complaining about a lot of players that these players are not uh, these players are not playing with their hearts. They are just walking about. That time we were in deep trouble. These players are just yeah. walking about. They are, you know, they, they are not fighting for the shirt and all that. As soon as Zaza came in, from his first game, Zaza was chasing every ball. See, Zaza makes tackles in the 95th minute when we are leading 4-0. That's the kind of player Zaza is. He's running after every ball. He's, you know, and the fans loved Zaza immediately because of that. He brought that spirit, that, you know, that um, fight into the side. And it helped a lot. It helped us escape relegation. And then last season, he was all over, you know, just putting his body on the line and chasing after every ball. And the fans loved it. Zaza is very popular in Valencia. And... At some point, there was a game where he was singing the Valencia anthem as the fans were singing it. Just the, the cameras caught him singing along. That was how much he loved being in Valencia, and he was just he was also encouraging the younger younger players, you know, trying to help them. Yeah. Always, always there. So when you have a presence like that in the team, you don't get rid of him for any reason. It makes no sense. So after getting rid of Zaza now. We have a problem. Our strikers, are, well, nobody has scored more than one goal this season for Valencia. Nobody. And we're in October. Nobody has scored more than one goal. We scored only seven goals in all competitions, I think, seven. And everything is just a mess in the attack. Everything is predictable. Rodrigo is struggling. He's not really, you know, able to play well. He can't, and sometimes we are forced to pull Rodrigo on the right. You know, he brings on um, Gamero. And instead of taking off a striker, or he brings up Bashai, instead of taking off a striker, he takes off a midfielder. So now Rodrigo has to go wide so that Gamero and Bashai will play up front. And Rodrigo hates being wide. 
his worst form in Valencia was when they were playing him out of position like that. Last season rejuvenated him because he was now playing in a two-man attack where he's very, very effective and as a striker. And then all of a sudden, Barcelona has gone Barcelona has gone back to what wasn't working after solving the problem. So it's all just a mess. And I think he's going to lose his job soon. Because we're going to Bilbao next week. We never win in Bilbao. If we win, I'm going to be extremely shocked. I'm not optimistic at all. I think we're going to lose or we're going to draw. And if that happens, I mean, it just keeps more cold on his head. So, really, that's the problem. And we still have to buy a right back now. There's talk that we have to buy a right back now. And, you know, Marcelino is always, um, always, always tinkering with personnel. Sometimes, at the beginning of the season, he started four new players against Atletico Madrid. First game of the season, four new players. Just threw them on. And then on the bench, instead of putting a Murillo that, you know, knows the team and has been in the team for, for a year, and is also one of our more reliable defenders, he didn't put him on bench. He didn't put Vezo also, because we have five CBs. He didn't put two of the CBs that have been at the club on bench. He put Diakabi that was just signed, 20-year-old defender that was just signed. And Garay got injured in that game, and Diakabi had to be thrown right into the fire. So we now had five new players playing. There's no way, there's no magic that you're going to do because your system is not a system that you know someone just comes in and adapts automatically. It takes time. And if you want to be having those results, you need that stability. You need to ease them in also and all that. So it's just all a mess, really. I don't know. I'm not optimistic. Just hope that we find a solution soon. That's Hopefully. It. Hopefully. Uh, Barcelona beat um, Sevilla 4-2. Yeah. Uh, it was Sevilla 4-2, but the match is notable for... And they're not top of the table, by the way. But the, but the match is notable for the unfortunate injury to Lionel Messi. Uh, Messi will miss El Clasico. And that's, that and that will be... Uh, yeah? You were saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I so, just wanted to say that he should take his time. <laughs> yeah, so this will be so. This, so since Messi had played for Barcelona, this will be only the third El Clasico that is going to be missing. Um, yeah, he has missed he has missed only two El Clasicos before now, and this will be his third. But even more more to that, this will be uh, the first time an El Clasico is without Ronaldo and Messi since December 23, 20, 2007. Yeah, when to, to a lot of viewers. <laughs> when uh, when when uh, Baptista scored the only goal when uh, Real Madrid beat Barcelona that season. Yeah. Um, that could easily also be the final game for Lopetegui, depending on what happens. Because I I I do I don't know if you agree, but I think that if they do lose that game, he will get sacked eventually. He, he should count himself lucky that Messi isn't playing because if Messi was going to play, that would have been a 9-0 victory. But now, <laughs> he'll just lose by 5-0 or 4-0 or something. But mm. I think it's worth noting that Sevilla could have scored seven goals yesterday. Barcelona were all over the place defensively. They were wide open. Wide open. And it was... Yeah. And Testegen had to take several seconds. Testegen had to build them out so much. Five, yesterday, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. At three one, the, the second made a double save that you know prevented them from going three two because if they had gone to three two, Sevilla would have won that game. Then he made another save at I think um, four two when there was still time. You know, and if that, if that, he made that first save just before Barcelona scored the fourth goal. So it was now 4 1. And then they scored again to make it 4 2. After missing another, in fact, it was just, they were just all over the place. I don't really, and now that we know that Messi is not going to be at El Clasico and he's not going to be playing for the next three weeks, I think that Barcelona are very beatable right now. Inter might yeah. fancy their chances. Yes, and speaking of, we'll get to yeah, we'll get to Inter because they are they are coming into the into the game itself on a high. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh, the Milan derby finished a, some about half an hour ago. Um, Atletico Madrid. Was, yeah, um, Dembele was horrible yesterday. Yes, he, he was, was horrible, and I think he got booed as well. It's not looking good for him. He really needs to fix up. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, uh, Atletico Madrid, they won. They, they won one nil. No, they again. drew. So, okay, they drew? Yeah, they oh. drew with Villarreal. Villarreal. They, they didn't close it out. They didn't close it out. You know, it, I saw one interesting stat that's making the rounds. You probably saw it, you, you probably saw it as well. Uh, oh, concerning yeah. Black. Yeah. That has more clean sheets than goals considered yeah. since he started keeping for Atletico Madrid. And you know, there's so, a myth. There's a myth that it's Atletico's defense that's making him look good, and it's such a horrible myth because it, it's only people who don't watch Atletico. I think that you know, Oblak is being helped by his defense. He's the one helping his defense. He's the one making them look good. They've been on the decline. Strike got in. They've been on the decline. You know, for a while now, and he's really, really, really bailing them out. There was one chance where he bailed them out yesterday. It was a one-on-one. I think it was Carlos Baca, you know, coming on to him, and he stopped that that chance. If that ball had gone in, Atletico would probably have lost that game. So he's just mm-hmm. he he. I think he's probably the best goalkeeper in the world right now. Uh, I'm sure. After yesterday's matches, after yesterday's match, I'm sure Barcelona will. Barcelona fans may have Yeah, yeah, I think Testegen is up there. It's it's a very very tight score to be honest. Testegen yeah. has something else since last season. Like he has been on another level entirely. But yeah, you know, it's, it's a tight one. I think right now both are operating at a very very high level. And um, Oblak is not getting the hype he should get because he's from Slovenia, in my opinion. Yeah, precisely. German or Spanish or English or Italian. Ah, yeah, it would have been getting a lot of help, but it's not getting it. And I mean, that's just football. Yeah, that's life for you. Um, okay, over in over in Italy, Juve uh, drew uh, one-one with Genoa. Um, Ronaldo scored scored a scored a tapping. From from close range, yeah, indeed. But uh, general were able to equalize. But it wasn't their their main striker, Christoph Piontek, who who equalized this time. It was uh, Bessa who pulled the goal back. Of course, Juve pushed and pushed, but couldn't get the 
couldn't get the, the win, so they so they dropped their first points of the season. Um, Napoli closed the gap to four points by beating Udinese 3-0. And Inter Milan are now third because they just beat AC Milan 1-0 in the Milan derby. Ikadi again, ni- 91 minutes, 91 minutes uh for the for the argentine striker uh so inter milan are doing really well right now at least in terms of results in terms of results perhaps not as yeah so perhaps not as free-flowing as as one would have hoped i mean a team coach vasparati would have been but they are certainly getting the results and they will go to camp nou on wednesday you know in a in a in a, in a really confident uh, in a really confident way. I think if Barcelona play as poorly as they played yesterday, in terms of how they open themselves up defensively, Inter will punish them. The Cardi does not think twice. And they'll be without Messi, so they can, they can face Barcelona's defense poorly. Yeah, they won't have to worry about leaving spaces that Messi can exploit. So I get it. It changes their dynamic completely. completely yeah. Changed. Not having yeah. Messi is a problem, and yeah, I, I think that I believe I, I think that if if Barcelona play like they played yesterday, they are going to get their asses handed to them. So mm. it's going to be interesting to see anyway. That's that's very very possible. Uh, quickly on to Germany, uh, Bayern Munich bounced back after the international break by beating Wolfsburg three one. Lewandowski with two goals there. Uh, your man, Pablo Acasa. Scored again. Acasa scored one of the goals as uh, Dortmund beat Stuttgart 4-0 away. And he got taken off at half time. Like, so he's not, even re- he's not completing 90 minutes. He's still keeping up his... Jadon Sancho played 90 minutes this time. Oh. Yeah. And he actually opened the score in 3 minutes. Yeah. Opened the score in 3 minutes. So, uh, Dortmund remained unbeaten and remained top of the Bundesliga. Uh, and they play Atletico Madrid uh, in the in the Champions League double header. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be very very interesting to watch as well. Um, so yeah, I think we've I think we've basically gone through it. I don't know if any other yes. thing. Yes, but that's mentioned the guy that scored five goals anyway, because it's a, it's a great feat, really. So uh, who's that? Jovic, Luka Jovic of. Uh, of Frankfurt. Oh, I missed that. Five goals. Yeah, they won seven one, and he scored five. And the five goals wow. were not tappings or something. They were some sick goals. <laughs> and he's just twenty years old as well. 20 wow. Yeah. Older. Okay. And he's okay. been getting ignored by his national team manager. That's the funniest part. Wait, what so, country does he represent? Who? 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 Serbia. Serbian. And, yes. So with the five goals, he has he overtook Alcacer before Alcacer then scored the next day. So he's on wow. seven goals as well with Alcacer. Okay. It, it was very imp- impressive fit anyway. Just wanted to mention that. Yeah, and obviously. His, his teammate Sebastian Heller scored two and had I think two assists. So it was an all-round crazy performance from the team. Out of nowhere, 7-1 victory. Indeed. I've never heard of the player before. This is something that we should keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, definitely. It's 
20 years qualified for is a big deal. Uh-huh. It is. It is. Uh, the, the Champions League is back this midweek. Uh, on Tuesday, we, you know, United fans are going to be pissing themselves as uh, Ronaldo returns to Old Trafford. Uh, United versus Juve. In what in what is you know what is clearly going to be first versus second, you know. Uh, <laughs> I have definitely been one to to I've, I've I've not kept a shrine for Ronaldo in my heart, being a United fan since he left. But many United fans have done have done something similar, you know. Uh, so it will just be interesting. It will be like a kind a it will be like a carnival atmosphere actually. I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how that's going to pan out. Juve would remain favourites, but um, you know one, you know one thing that that has been that has been coming up since 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 yesterday's uh, draw with Chelsea is that United need to allow, sorry, Mourinho needs to allow Pogba really just do his thing. Because I, I don't know if you noticed, it was after, so Pogba took, so, uh, sorry, so Jose took off Martial and took off Mata. And in a way, gradually surrendered the, the initiative to Chelsea a little bit before the eventual equalizer. And as a result, Pogba didn't really have people ahead of him to, you know, to pass to. He had a great yes. second half. Yeah. Uh, if, if, you know, if they, if, if he continues to allow Pogba to just do his thing against his former club this time, because now that Ronaldo is back at Ultra Ford, Pogba will be returning to the J Stadium uh, in about two or three weeks himself. Yeah. You know, so all of those narratives they are going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, I think so, that uh, Manchester best chance against Juventus is Bonucci. <laughs> I think I saw one video not long ago where. It was been analyzed that um, Juventus have considered, I think, six goals in the league this season, and Bonucci was the cause of five five of the goals with video evidence. I see. So, what's wrong there? Is positioning or what? Positioning, um, hesitation. I think the one against Napoli was a useless pass to the center of the field from the right, which got intercepted by Alan and then. You know, he set up, I think, in senior or so. And yeah, so, so he's very likely to be the one that they're going to focus their pressing Yeah, if they, pre- if they press him, he's going to probably make one stupid decision. It doesn't seem to be right in the head right now. I don't know, maybe he's moved to Milan. Because of his move to Milan, he's just declined or something. Or he, does, or he has declined in that time. But some of the, um, at least three of the goals were crosses to where Bonucci was standing and he did not react. And so someone okay. just even the, the goal against uh, the goal that general scored at the weekend also was a cross. And it yes, was it just was. where Bonucci was standing and he just stood and was ball watching. And it also happened against um, I think Sassolo. I think it happened against Sassolo and it happened against Fosinone also I can't remember. But all in all, you know, he's not making the right decisions and he keeps ball watching on crosses. So if you either approach it by pressing him, number one, and number two, you know, using crosses. They might actually, you know, get a few goals that way. So that's something to watch out for. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, the other games are going to be interesting. We we already mentioned Dortmund Atletico Madrid uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Spurs are also fighting for their Champions League life. They have zero points right now. They are playing PSV, double header. They are yes, going to have. Yeah, PSV are doing really well in the league this season, in their league this season. Uh, but, um, you know, Spurs, again, with their injury issues, they may not be able to be bought, but we'll see. We've already spoken about Barcelona, Inter Milan. The, the lack of Messi means that um, Inter Milan have many more options regarding how they approach the game. Yeah, you know, they no longer have to. Yeah, precisely. And then uh, lastly, yes, that's another very interesting match. PSG Napoli. PSG Napoli should be very interesting as well. Yeah. At the Parc de France. So um, Napoli have started really well in this season under, under Ancelotti. Uh, yeah. They have already beaten Liverpool, by the yeah. way. They, I think they've won. Yeah, exactly. They've um, their second in Serie A. Yes, yes, they have. Nine, they lost two matches. Yeah, and really, I may, I'm likely to have. I'm, 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 I, I think I may have to hold up my hands there because I, I, I didn't think that they would be struggle, yeah. that they would look so good so far because Antelope has always had an issue with league campaigns. League campaigns, but, yeah, but we'll see. It's just October anyway. Still yeah, yeah, we'll see. So that should be very interesting stuff. I think PSG will win anyway. The real battle will be in the away game. When they go to Italy, that's where yeah. it's going to get tricky for them. But when when they are at home like this, I would expect them to win. And Neymar was rested during the weekend because of um, traveling back late from Brazil or something. So it's going to be fresh for the game. Mbappe is in the form of his life. Uh, and Ferrati is back. That was a huge miss for them at Anfield. So, yes, that's true. Ferrati is back. He's back in the starting lineup for PSG and for Italy as well. Everybody seems to have woken up from their respective slumber. It's going to be an interesting game. Uh, we'll see how it pans out, sir. All right. So, we've come to the end of this podcast uh, for this week. Thanks so much, Cerebron, for, you know, for being here with me. Uh, and we are going to do this again next week, hopefully. All right. Uh, let's, see how this, let's see how this guy put thing pans out. Yeah? All right. Thank you for, for thank you for having me. Okay, bye bye.